0: Well, hello and welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting here on Saga 960 AM and on the Coastal Carolina Network. One half of your host, Dyle phone phoning get in here as best I can in front of my, uh, my new couch in the studio, Ooh. and I'm joined by my colleague, David Clement, who is uh, out there in Toronto, Ontario. David, how goes it?
1: It's going well. Um, yeah, a lot has ha- happened since... Uh we last spoke uh you sure about that i don't know if
0: uh
1: yeah um to quote uh the sometimes astute but usually a big goofus uh vivek ramaswamy we are in a dark moment we live in
0: a dark moment yeah um he's definitely been taking some some slings and arrows um yeah. from the right wing guys uh, the last few days we can talk about that but yes we're um you know kind of have to talk about it because it is a fairly large thing and uh why not bring up one of the most divisive issues in uh yeah. in politics uh, for just a, a, a nice little jaunty chat uh, in the second week of october year of our lord 2023 i didn't say which lord uh but uh david <laughs> I actually saw a very interesting interview. I listened to it. It's not one yeah. you would expect to gain insight from, but it was a, an okay. interview with Lex Friedman. Not interesting, but his guest was Jared Kushner.
1: Oh, the Kush.
0: So the Kush, if you, uh, our audience remembers, was also uh, one of the main advisors to Trump and also yeah. led the uh, the efforts at Middle East peace and was able to broker a deal between the Saudis and the Israelis. And um, pretty much from every analysis uh, that that people are looking at you know what the travesty in Gaza and outside of Gaza uh, is really trying to do is kind of upend that deal a bit I don't know if you agree with that analysis or not but it seems to be like a broader goal apart from the outright savagery
1: yeah yeah I think that's the 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 going theory is that um, Hamas was trying to scuttle the normalization of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. because um, they are Not in... that these are the
0: most rational actors, you know. With... No, I mean, uh, Hamas
1: are terrorists. Um, and, uh, I mean, a lot of people have showed their cards.
0: I'm sorry, but the CBC guidelines yeah. um, have ruled you ineffective, sir, and you will now be removed from the air.
1: What a joke that is. Right? Can you imagine? Like, the government of Canada has listed them as a terrorist organization. All of our allies have listed them as a ter- terrorist organization. They just slaughtered more Jewish people in one day than any time since the Holocaust. And the CBC is like, hmm, maybe let's not use the terrorist word. Because there's some nuance here. It's like, I don't think so at all, actually. Um, even if you're a supporter of, of the, a Palestinian state, you, you sympathize with the struggles of the people who live in Gaza, um, there's no way to, there, there are no mental gymnastics you can do um, to come to any sort of conclusion that this is anything other than terrorism.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, You know, we we normally kind of see the uh, journalistic um, ethicist ethicist or the ombudsman's come out of the woodwork, uh, particularly around conflicts or something that comes out and say, well, actually, uh, you, (laughs) you can kind of see that in every conflict or something that might be happening. And, you know, normally this is a pretty innocuous thing. It's just to get terminology correct. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's not a submers or it's not a submarine. It's a submersible, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the AP had had a thing on that, but in this case, it's like, well, we wouldn't consider them terrorists, and it's just uh, again we're uh, obliterating all nuance. And um, this, uh, oh, look, this is it's seen. It's not just a Canadian thing. However, it seems to be very present in many large Canadian cities. I knew it as a college student and you know yeah. i didn't really care about the issue or follow it too much but i was forced to because we had a pro palestine mm-hmm. rally in the hallway at concordia university probably every other week yeah and having a uh, a uh. certain first name that does sound pretty israeli um yeah it was not the yes. <laughs> not the greatest introduction to my fellow uh students uh not to say that they were hamas but uh yeah definitely were not favorable to me
1: well and, and the this is the crazy thing is that the reaction to this and the rallies in, in not just like pushing back against Israel but the reaction of being openly or outwardly pro- Hamas is just so wild um, given what they've done given what they stand for I mean it's in there like party charter, um, that the, the, the killing all of the Jews is is the game plan. Um, and so when you see university professors at York University being like, well, this is kind of like the resistance. Mm. Okay, uh, I mean, if that's the bar we're setting, imagine, which would never happen, uh, but imagine if indigenous people in Canada just started murdering people at a festival and lobbing rockets and all sorts of, they have historical grievances, but they don't do that. And if they did, what would you expect the Canadian government to do? And would you be cheering it on, right? If they stole your child, would you be like, well, you know, it's actually kind of nuanced and they are the oppressed. And so this is kind of like the resistance for them. And we have to be in solidarity. No, I don't think you would. Um,
0: At least it's, you know, Aboriginal content. I mean, uh, that's a, yeah, <laughs> That that's uh,
1: we're going to leave them stone cold. <laughs> dead.
0: It's a bad one. Uh, there's, uh, you know, obviously a lot of things that are being impacted. Uh, a lot of money. Boy, there's a lot of money that's being talked about, thrown around. Obviously, the U.S. House not able to uh, put any of these uh, funding requests into action since they don't have a speaker. Yeah. So technically, they're kind of out of service. Uh, we've seen uh, Steve Scalise, yep. who was uh, the majority leader, now uh, apparently he's dropped out of the running. Yeah. And uh, who knows? By the time this airs, there are you know Jim Jordan might already be speaker, but who knows?
1: Yeah, he couldn't get the votes, um, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, and I kind—I mean. He is technically part of the regime, right, or part of the uh, the old guard, as it were.
1: I mean, again, we are living in a dark moment right now. At what point do the Democrats say, this is who we want and we need, what is it, eight Republicans? And they say they pick their Republican that they want and they get eight or ten Republicans on board. And they elect a speaker who is a Republican, because there are things to be done. I mean, I think the the last debt ceiling debate extended things by a month. So in like three to four weeks, they're going to have another showdown. And if you have no procedural process, not only are you stuck in terms of responding to things like aid requests and whatnot in in war zones, whether it be to Israel or Ukraine, uh, you then face a government shutdown with no procedural process. And so, like, as much as I understand that the Democrats just enjoy the chaos that is the Republicans, there is, there is a point where they have to kind of pony up here and realize that they are part of the chaos and they can be part of the solution. Uh, I don't know if that's if I am looking at this with rose colored glasses or not. Um but it's it it's increasingly looking to me like okay guys, why don't you just flex your weight here and pick someone and get Washington moving again.
0: Yeah, it has only been a week. Um you know, normally I think in these circumstances uh we'd say great divided government, wonderful, things slow down, but yeah, still a lot of money being spent, still a lot of bad laws on the books, yeah. um, not a lot of reforms. It is, uh, it's rather unfortunate. And yeah, when you want to be timely and, you know, passing legislation to rename a post office or, what? you know, call for UFO disclosure. uh well, yeah, not able to do it. Uh, I think with uh, some of the speaker stuff, you know, by all indications, it might be by weekend, there'd be something. Yeah, yeah and it's just it's hard because a lot of the establishment types and a lot of conservative media are all saying, how dare they these eight people who voted against McCarthy, they're bringing it down, blah, blah, blah. And I hear that. And I don't know. I think uh, when we talked about it last week, David, we were somewhat supportive of what Matt Gates was at least trying to message on. And
1: yeah, whether, whether he's, uh, whether he's, he means what he says is a different debate, but what he said in terms of what's important on procedure and debt and amendments and all of that, the good governance side, um, it's hard to disagree with it. I think the debate would be is he serious or is he a bit of a chaos enthusiast and had his moment to <laughs> to make a name for himself beyond the uh, the allegations of private jets and illicit drugs and sex Yeah, I tell you, he
0: made a lot of people nervous, though, with uh, talking. I was like, oh, everyone's bought and paid for by the lobbyists. That made a lot of people very nervous. Yes. <laughs> I love that part. Um, one of my favorite congressmen is uh, Congressman Tim Burchett from Tennessee. Okay, uh, He does a lot of these uh, Twitter videos and stuff. And uh, he was chair of the UFO committee. That's oh, two yeah. mentions. Uh, he uh, he put a thing on Twitter the other day. He's like, just had a meeting with a lobbyist. Don't worry, I paid for my own lunch. And it's just like a picture of a peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, so he was also one of the eight who who voted against uh, McCarthy in the end. Uh, but look, all this stuff, you know, it's, it's the machinery of government. And what's so interesting is you still have plenty of bad laws that are being passed, um, you know, at state level. Obviously, some very bad rules with the uh, generational ban on uh, tobacco products in the United Kingdom yeah. which uh, they stole that idea actually from Brookline Massachusetts nuts uh, which already has a generational ban just a town
1: yeah well yeah you just go to the other town
0: yeah well duh but doesn't matter uh, there will be no more kids in that porn in that town well, you know past certain age so here's, uh, here's that but thing. yeah all kinds of atrocities uh, are lost Zunax there the
1: Sunak's announcement there is that It doesn't criminalize, at any point, it doesn't criminalize smoking. It just makes it illegal to buy them legally. So...
0: Yeah, it just uh, penalizes, like, the store guys if they put it out on their shelves and sell it.
1: But you could still smoke cigarettes outside or in your house. And the cops won't. Or if you
0: bought a billion cigarettes today and put it in a warehouse... You know. or
1: if you just bought them illegally because that exists in every country through different mechanisms like if you're the mafia or like you be in jail some sort of criminal network it's like well what's your business like what's your long-term business well we're just going to sell darts cuz people are going to want them and you can't you like you're not prosecuting people for possession and i mean it's where did, where did this come from that like all of a sudden prohibition can work again? And like, yeah, obviously like don't smoke, terrible for your health. um, But I thought like uh, it felt like we were moving in the direction of like the universal agreement that prohibition doesn't work. Just so many examples across the board. And yet for some reason Rishi, Rishi, Rishi Sunak feels that like he can reinvent the wheel here and, and get a different outcome. Um, I, I just don't see it.
0: Every generation has its own prohibitionists. Yeah, uh, We're seeing it now with uh, vaping or the generation endgame. You know, obviously we had alcohol. Uh, we had for a little time gambling. Yeah. Uh, but that's mostly been relaxed. We, you know, we definitely have the energy uh, prohibitionists you know, who don't want... Nuclear, don't want drilling, all these other kinds of things. Uh, But, Dave, once we're back from our break here on Consumer Choice Radio, do you want to go through um, how your Canadian Thanksgiving was and uh, whether you were able to profit from low grocery prices thanks to the actions of the government of Justin Trudeau uh they were very stern with the grocery store ceos so i wonder if it made for a more affordable bird uh you're gonna hear the answer to that once we're back here on consumer choice radio back here on consumer choice radio i had to kind of toss it up and make it a a bit you know newsworthy david had to ask you about your thanksgiving how that went and whether you were able to buy an affordable bird for that festive holidays
1: no (laughs) no Um, nothing's changed on prices Um, there's no movement on that it's just an announcement the patting on the back by partisans is like well Nothing's changed. I, I mean, here's a doozy for you. It's in. It's not necessarily Canadian, but it's in relation to it. Um, did you see Paul Krugman get community noted on uh, one of his latest tweets?
0: I absolutely did. I, I actually applied for community notes. Uh, actually, because I saw that too. <laughs>
1: yeah, like so. So for listeners, uh, Paul Krugman tweeted a graph. And it's like, the war on inflation is over, we won at very little cost. And it shows the consumer price index, but it excludes food, energy, shelter, and used cars. And it has it at less than 2%. And it's like, well, that's a very creative way of saying that the essentials of life, with the exception of a used car, per se, but food, energy, and shelter, um... Our inflation is gone with the exception of the things that you absolutely need.
0: <laughs> I think um, because uh, I got a couple of responses to this as well. They say, well, it's very standard to remove those. But I'm pretty sure that's not the case no, uh, not. when it comes to rent and housing. Uh, I don't yeah. know if you studied this a bit more because yeah, no, it is budget. true that they do remove some categories like energy because it can go up and down and oscillate. But I don't know about the other ones.
1: Uh, well, I mean, sure, but then then you open open up the debate of is that even useful then, right? Like if CPI yeah, it's like is you know used, what's the
0: price of a Coca Cola? You know, yeah, is that our only measurement of how the inflation in the economy is going?
1: Yeah, if CPI is the metric we're going to use to determine monetary policy, you probably want as full of a picture as possible. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, we know in Canada like mortgage rates are through the roof, foreclosures are up. Rents are through the roof. Food prices are at record highs. But other than that, we're good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's been on this tear Krugman has about saying, like, I don't understand. (laughs) Sorry, he's cleaning off his mustache while he's in the 57th floor of his high-rise in New York City while his butler puts down the plate. He wipes away his mustache. I don't understand why these poor plebs are complaining about inflation. Everything is fine.
1: Like, the disconnect... It's like, when was the last time you were worried about a bill? That's what I want to know. When was the last time you were worried about a bill? And Oh, him? Yeah, yeah nobody. <laughs> like, never. Right? It's like when Friedland talks about this stuff, and she's like, well, you know, uh, we're going to do this, we got to do that. And it's like, have you sat down with anyone who's... um? with anyone who's struggling like do you not have like family members or friends or associates who are sitting across the dinner table going ah you know what my mortgage costs are like 60 percent of my take-home earnings after taxes um there's just such a disconnect
0: or i think just the you know normally this is a, a thing that people measure in their own lives is you know how many vacations can you afford to take a year uh, particularly once you have a family, and it's like, well, looks like uh, those two family vacations we're gonna have to cut down to one, or, or we're just gonna have to do a small road trip, you know, somewhere where we can sleep in a car or with friends, because uh, yeah, can't afford to have a second trip, and you know, with well, the price of energy, boy, I just tanked up this morning. Let me it, tell you, I mean, it's, um, it's, not it's getting probably,
1: probably much worse than that because the the debt loads on Canadians are through the roof, so it would appear as though. Canadians are more or less maintaining their quality of life on debt. Um, And that is the bubble that could, could pop, is that...
0: Do you know offhand the average Canadian credit card debt per person?
1: Ooh, I don't. I'd have to look that up. But I know it's much higher than in the U.S. Do you know what it is?
0: So I see an average from a quarter i don't know if that's correct okay canadian consumer debt has risen up to 2.4 trillion with an average debt load of approximately twenty-one thousand one hundred thirty-one dollars excluding mortgages
1: that's a lot of that's a lot of high interest
0: yeah and all the interest rates have been kicking up slowly and uh I, I love how the banks email you and they're like, Hey, we're giving you another percent interest on your savings. It's yeah. like, bro, what savings? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I just liquidated my savings to pay off my credit card.
0: It's like, yeah, thanks a lot for that. But especially like we, we talked about those bank runs, David, a couple of months ago. It's like, yeah. you know, a lot people are very skeptical of, of banks and leaving stuff there too. I mean, all it takes is one liquidity crisis, and all this stuff kind of goes. Um, much like our, you know, buddy Matt Gates said uh, the other week. I don't have the clip right now, but you know, it can't just do cash anymore. You got to bribe people with gold bars.
1: <laughs> Still, one of the best speeches in Congress ever.
0: Yeah, he's he's uh, he's fairly impressive. He's good. Again, we talked about the issues that he's good and bad on last week. Um, I was going to kind of bring up some of the i mean it's impossible to talk about anything biden right now i just um they really shot him up with something he's been he's been on a tear a lot of people really liked his israel uh, speech i don't know i didn't watch that i don't know if you saw it gates uh no uh biden no.
1: oh um yeah the when it was that when he was saying sheer evil and nobody else take advantage of this
0: yeah, there's that, and then uh, the former Israeli prime minister. He said, you know, and then she told me, you know, uh, we we fight for, or, or, you know, something like this, and it's actually something that she told to Kissinger, yeah, you know, like thirty years prior. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is. Uh, it goes beyond gaff machine. Oh, I, I, think I just hate that term, but it goes way beyond that.
1: Well, it's. Uh, I mean, I mean, this bleeds into Republican politics. Like, the world is getting a lot more complicated and a lot uglier, and it feels, like, very quickly. And if I'm looking at, like, whom, whom would I trust to handle this right? It's increasingly not Joe Biden, not because I don't think he means well, just because he seems to kind of just be wandering a little bit. And then on the Republican side the The field of like whom you could trust to handle this properly, is shrinking considerably, um, like a lot. Um, right now, Nikki Haley feels like the only one I'd want to give the keys to.
0: Um, oh my, she, she might put that in her jet, do some more bombing <laughs> all over the place. Uh, the latest uh, polls, though, for president. Uh, Let's see. What's the looking for the head to head? Here we go. Trump 45, Biden 44.
1: Is that with RFK in the poll?
0: It is not with RFK in the poll. Okay. the RFK thing is interesting. So obviously he um, he filed filed to be independent, which good luck, because you're going to need like 100,000 signatures in every single state. And that takes like a lot of money, a lot of people, a lot of effort. Maybe you can do it, but. Some places it's like almost impossible to get on the ballot. That's what libertarians and Green Party people have been fighting forever. Yeah. But yeah, you could kind of chew into it. I don't really, I don't know enough about the horse race to, to yeah. say exactly where people would go. It seems like there's been a lot of Trump people who've liked him, but only when he was a threat to Biden. And now it's unsure.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they'll turn on him as quickly as they turn on any other Republican.
0: Uh, yeah, they'll turn on him on the grassy knoll say, no, sir. Yeah. We live in a dark <laughs> moment. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, let's take a look at the uh, the global, uh, the Globe and Mail paper mm-hmm. today, David. Any uh, any big stories that kind of came across your desk that you're interested in? Obviously, there's a lot of Israel, Hamas, Gaza stuff. Um some court things any, anything that that you found kind of interesting that hasn't been beaten to death uh you know sort of in the news conversation um,
1: man it's hard it's hard because so much of the the news cycle has been hyper focused on the war understandably um but i'm seeing I'm seeing some some good stuff come out of the national Post um on what is now the growing, not to go back to that conflict, but it's kind of hard not to, um, what is the growing, like? there was a a very trendy form of anti-Semitism in academia in regards to Israel-Palestine. We both saw it when we were in university, and now those people are coming out of the woodworks very vocally, and it has a lot of people like, they're now kind of seeing behind the veil of the university and seeing what anyone who was there and who was uncomfortable had seen for a long time. And now ordinary people have been like, wait a second, York University student union said what? Um, And so I think that's gonna be a growing conversation. I think there's gonna be a growing conversation in regards to immigration because we're gonna have rallies in favor of Hamas, and that will naturally um, create some pushback in terms of values and and all of that. and uh, that conversation, um, that could get very ugly. Um, I foresee that getting very ugly.
0: Um, on the on the student union part, though, before we get into more ugliness, <laughs> you know, you have known and I have known, and we've all seen it, that these student unions at these universities who got i think 16 bucks of my tuition every semester or whatever were always corrupt morally bankrupt terrible institutions that did nothing but serve the people who somehow got elected you had the most depraved people who ended up in these positions oh yeah and of course they're going to take this stance i mean it's like obvious
1: well and i think they're about to find out um we're about. They're about to find out very quickly that freedom of speech comes with freedom of association, and we've seen this with Wall Street um, and, and New York's Manhattan law firms and Wall Street firms in the financial sector, uh, essentially blacklisting um, students, a part of organizations who came out vocally in support of Hamas. And we've seen a couple of law firms actually name them and say hey yeah this person was about to be a first-year associate and they're not going to be anymore. Um, and so um, the, the sanitized version of this for radio is, is mess around and find out and a lot of young people are about to do a whole lot of finding out. Um, and you know what they probably deserve it and Actions have consequences. Words have consequences. I mean, it's pretty hilarious that the the words have violence, people. um, Are actually in favor of violence and and the most ugly of forms of violence. Um, I can't. I mean, the uh,
0: images, the images of the hang gliders or whatever, you know, is now a normal part of a lot of these posters. And uh, there have been a number of protests and kind of big actions in Vienna. And there's apparently one on Saturday. And uh, the image of the background announcing the Solidarity with Palestine poster is the image of the tank that's yeah. bringing down the wall. Or, yeah. I don't know if... It, sorry, not the tank. The uh, bobcat.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I don't even know the name. The digger. You know, whatever the... It's the bobcat. Yeah. It's the bobcat that's tearing down the wall. And this is, like, the the front poster. I yeah. mean, this has been known for a long time. But, you know, Europe has had a huge amount of immigration, particularly from what we would call the Moyen-Orient or the Levant. There's been a lot of immigration from people that don't necessarily see. And Austria has been interesting. They've put up the Israeli flag, you know, next to the Austrian flag over the chancellery. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, been very, I think all the parties are unified, you know, and condemning Hamas and Israel and stuff. We don't, it's, it's, uh, it's not like the streets of Montreal or Toronto uh, right now.
1: No, no. Um, yeah,
0: but you're right that it will impact everything, particularly when it comes to immigration. Uh, I remember that was the whole thing against Bernier, you know, we shouldn't have a citizenship test about values. And, uh, you know, these are things that we probably deplore in certain contexts, but the prism of whatever this conflict is massacre Mm -hmm. will impact other things of policy. Uh, particularly when it comes to free speech and the rest we'll uh, we'll talk about that more when we're back david got to go to break uh pay the bills we'll be right back here on consumer choice radio welcome back to consumer choice radio david we're talking about uh yeah what do you think Hamas uh, versus uh, Israel, and at least the sort of impact on public policy and what those frames will be in, in very free countries. Uh, this is a, a moment of test for free speech, freedom of expression. Uh, I don't know what you're what you're thinking on that front because a lot of things are being tested at this moment.
1: Well, hate speech laws, which exist in Canada, are about to go are about to be tested to the absolute limit um, because there are many things that are said at these Hamas rallies that certainly meet the Canadian legal standard for hate speech and are we going to start arresting people? Um, there I mean France has has made a push to ban these demonstrations. I don't think that does any good uh, other than get people more, Jazzed up to be more vocal, um, but yeah, I mean, in theory, we have laws in this in this country um, that many of the people at these rallies are violating, and so are we going to enforce them? Um, and so it's a, it will be a big test for law enforcement, for the justice system, for Ottawa. To where are they going to? Put their foot down. Um, I don't know, um, but they're they're going to be tested because what you see at these rallies is grotesque and certainly hateful. Um, and I, you can already see that there's a push from some to try and um, to try and prohibit them uh, these rallies. And so, I mean, that's going to be a big test. I mean, going back to the values test that you mentioned and Kelly Leach's original proposal, it's still a silly idea because anybody can say anything, right? You can,
0: yeah, I'm going to be the most honest ever in my citizenship exam about whether or not I'm led into yeah. this country.
1: Yeah. It's like, do you hate these people, these people or these people. People know how to lie. Um, so it's not a particularly effective way of screening um, but um, I think there's probably going to be a little more popularity for something like that, um, despite how silly it is, just out of virtue of what people are seeing on Canadian streets and looking at it and going, wait a second, we don't do that here. Having very liberal people say we don't do that here. Um, yeah.
0: I think we, we can just imagine the total opposite. You know, if you had a rally and, um, you know, I've seen a good number of these in my day. But, you know, if you had a rally, something like Jews will not replace us, as we saw in Charlottesville. And the outrage and the multiple books and op-eds and industry that came up to go against this. And that was like, what, 100 dudes. So this going on with multiple crowds. I mean, the crowd in Vienna was like at least 1,000 or 1,500. And the police were there and tried to hold it back. And yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you are seeing the, um, a lot of people were rightfully outraged in response to things like Charlottesville, and those same people seem uncomfortably quiet right now. And what you make of their hypocrisy is up to you, uh, but it's pretty, pretty easy to fill in the blanks.
0: I wanted to bring up something that I think is... Um it's somewhat unique to Canada. Um, there are parts of it in Europe, uh, particularly in France, a little bit in the UK. Is this idea of the uh, diaspora, uh, foreign affairs, yeah. politics? Um, I think it's it's interesting in something I've noticed a lot more in Canada. In the US, not so much. Yeah, people immigrate from different parts, but they don't make you know their entire political identity based upon that. And it surely does not become, you know, a part of the section of the Republican debate that people have to talk about how much they love shawarma or something like this. But it seems very much Mm -hmm. a Canadian esque thing. You know, the leader always has to go Mm -hmm. to the various temples. Um, They bring up holidays of various religions that I know nothing about. And maybe that's a great thing. I don't know. And it's a different uh, sort of it's a different calculation when you're a politician who's trying to represent everyone that you want to espouse some type of connection to people on that level. Um, But, you know, what does that kind of mean for our civic religion? I know a lot of people hate that term, but.
1: Well, no, it's a very good point because, and one of Trudeau's former foreign policy advisors wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail basically saying, yeah, we were sleeping on India forever because our policy towards India was always hedged against What does this mean in this writing, this writing, and this writing? And you can play that game, um, but in a multicultural country like Canada, um, playing that game to a certain extent has costs. And you see those costs in regards to the, the murder of the Sikh leader in B.C. and the allegations that India was behind it. Um, you see those costs in regards to Chinese interference and I will say that Trudeau has been um, unusually good in response to Hamas his words have been deliberate to the point direct there is no waffling um, which is very much appreciated um, so he's not playing the game um, in this regard, which is great, um, but it does highlight the, the, the nuances of trying to be the leader of a country that is maybe a little more diverse than, um, than we think it is in terms of ideology and perspective. It's a difficult task. How do you, how do you balance all yeah, that?
0: Yeah, and I remember a good example that I'm remembering now is at the very beginning of the pandemic when uh trump shut down the flights from china and uh Mm -hmm. the democratic response to that is well this is absolutely evil you know chinese new year and uh, you had nancy pelosi showing up in chinatown saying we're with you this (laughs) this uh virus is not a big deal (laughs) he's he's using his powers you know this is dictatorial and uh, all of that changing on a dime but uh in canada as well in you know my obviously my perspective on that is usually from the lens of Quebec and Quebec normally Mm -hmm. when this kind of stuff comes up, um, tends to be fairly left wing and will just accept every grievance ever. Uh, but you know, if it impacts French language or culture, that's kind of where the buck stops. Um, hijabs and the rest.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, and I think depending on how these rallies go, um, and, and what the response is, that Quebec-style view of immigration and culture may be, as much as I disagree... Oh, boy,
0: David's going to come around and support Bill 21 at <laughs> federal level. No,
1: God, no. No. Um, no. Um, I, I, I would not. Um, but it will become more popular because people will be made uncomfortable by what they see and what they're seeing people say, and they will probably come around a little bit to the Quebec government's view uh, in terms of, if we call it assimilation, or whatever other word you want to use to describe it.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, being neutral, at least with state institutions and stuff. I, um, I don't worry as much about the rallies. I... I'm very frank. I just worry about uh, random bouts of strange terrorism. Um, global day of jihad, you know. And yeah. uh, where, where yeah, I sit, you know, in, in Austria, we had stuff. we've had our own like terrorist attacks and people shooting up people at the opera. And that was just a couple years ago. And I was here and heard parts of it and it was just a couple blocks. I'm not too far from the Israeli embassy myself. Who knows what kind of wackos are out there? And again, the majority of the people who are at rallies like this are not insane, terroristic-minded folks. But you've got some wackos on every side, every yeah. persuasion. And sometimes all they need is to have some built-up anger and they feel as if there's you know some kind of culture of permission that allows them to do things. And uh, that is, yeah, inexcusable. And I hope it doesn't spread anymore. We saw some attacks, uh, at least one in France... Uh, apparently some Israeli embassy guy getting stabbed in China Mm -hmm. that one's kind of I I don't know what to make of that that looks like a hoax or something if you ask me Uh,
1: that one is hard to to gather the one in France um, not uh, is is horrific and tragic but given the the circumstances in France is not necessarily surprising um because there have been, I mean, you look at Charlie yeah. Have we Hebdo. checked in on you the
0: latest at... Charlie Hebdo? or any... oh my god.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Who do yeah? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Like, what what pot are they gonna kick right? Now? I do
0: think I would be very interested to learn what um, friend of the show Fleming Rose would have to say about this situation because this is uh, testing the limits of liberalism for a lot of a lot of different ways and. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people who are being, um, you know, shouted down if they take one point of view. And there's sort of a tyranny of silence, uh, to use mm-hmm. his, uh, his title. I don't really know. That kind of stuff worries me. You know, I, I also hope we don't go too far in the other direction and start saying, okay, well, no more mass rallies, no more this and that. Um, I definitely no. agree holding people accountable, you know, if stuff is repugnant. But yeah, we, you can easily tip the other way.
1: Well, I mean, it, if you look at it, what happened in Sydney, and you have people chanting, gas the Jews, that is an incitement of violence. That is not... Um,
0: it's not protected.
1: That is not... Yeah, that is not protected speech. You should be arrested for that. And I'm pretty close to a free speech absolutist. Um that is across the line. Um, whether or not people were arrested, I don't know. Um, but even in a country without hate speech laws, that crosses the line. In a country with hate speech laws, they crossed it well yeah, before. Yeah, Australia then.
0: definitely does. They and crack down on a lot of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, it's weird, because a country that turned into a prison kingdom during COVID and arrested people for stepping outside to smoke a cigarette or walk the dog, um, they have the means and the capability to enforce the law. Um, Whether or not they're going to do it, I don't know. Um, I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. But um, yeah, it's, it's just really uncomfortable. Like, these laws exist we can have a debate whether hate speech laws are good or bad um, but if they exist and you're not going to enforce them my lord that is a tough uh, that's a tough sell and that's going to leave a lot of people looking at the hypocrisy and shaking their heads i
0: mean I, I liked your mention of the you know people who are at the student unions writing letters and and some law firms you know stating okay your offer has been rescinded you know, at at this point, knowing the makeup of probably some of these law schools, I think the only the only way to get a to be a lawyer in the next couple of years is basically be Mike from Suits, <laughs> and everybody's going yeah. to have to just study all the you know the legal books on their own and fake their way in there because a lot of reputational damage. It's the same with the uh, the lawyer during the Black Lives Matter riots who threw the Molotov cocktail at the cop car. You know, and she's like (laughs) one of the top tier legal firms who does like corporate mergers. And she's like, yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think consequences like that in the private market. uh, Yeah, there's there's a lot to be done and a lot more that will happen. A lot of things that are filtering. Uh, Dave, we got another minute left before the end of Consumer Choice Radio. Um, Anything positive? Well, we had prime deal days. I don't know if you got anything good online. Yeah
1: yeah we got some good baby stuff um a lot, of, a lot of wicked toys that went on sale which are generally overpriced yes. so that was appreciated that's very good um yeah
0: I ordered some uh, studio <laughs> equipment which I then broke and I will now have to order a soldering iron to fix them um so is the way of ordering Chinese goods online but yeah yeah so it goes
1: yeah um yeah uh in, in this dark moment and prime is <laughs> prime is our
0: state. yeah that's too, too many we live uh, in a dark moment yeah there's a lot there uh, be, <laughs> uh but I'm, I'm excited for the next week David hopefully things um, calm down um, liberalism finds its way and consumer choice reigns all so yeah, uh, yeah let's chat again next week
1: until next week